identify as a unicorn? Are you unhinged? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to Unhinged Unicorns. <laughs> All right, welcome to another episode of Unhinged Unicorns. My name is Josh. I'm your host, and I'm here with my co-host, Steph. Why, hello. La, 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 la. Oh, that's beautiful. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> hello. Hello. Oh, that was terrible. We were way off. <laughs> I make the girls go, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I know. <laughs> that's great. That's the great. Song. That was beautiful. Uh, oh, Thank who you. sings that? I'm an old man. Pitbull. 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 <laughs> Pitbull. Are we like Pitbull. Italian now? Pitbull. Meatball. Pitbull. Pitbull. <laughs> you know how I know I'm getting old? Because the Grammys were on, and I don't know half the people who are famous anymore. <laughs> yeah. Well, I I was actually listening to a podcast before we got on here. I don't know exactly if this was true or not but you know Brittany broski you probably don't i don't even know why i asked nope. you um i don't never mind she has a podcast called the broski report and it's just literally her sitting at a desk and just talking about all of her hyper fixations and stuff and it's really funny but her latest episode that she just posted she was talking about celine dion having i think vocal cord damage i didn't look into this and i didn't do any research but something like happened with celine dion's voice where it's like like a uh <laughs> like 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 you know like what? um <laughs> <laughs> hold on we're gonna come like back to this topic here in a second we're gonna come back to this okay. anyway go on tell me more about celine i love her i do know who that is no i know you know her you love her I and we were her. talking about how there was like a supposed slight by Taylor Swift yes. for not really acknowledging her when she got her well-deserved Grammy. But I listened to, to Brittany and she was saying just something about how there was something, something happened to Celine Dion and like her voice is um, shot or... It just can't get up that high anymore. No, it's not anything to do with her voice. So she has a, oh. a medical condition called stiff person syndrome, and it has caused her to not be able to. It's not what you think. It's it's not erection syndrome. It's stiff person syndrome. <laughs> Can you imagine dying from erection syndrome? <laughs> what a way to go, right? So. It's a yeah. real thing. It's it's not a made up and it's not erectile syndrome. It's stiff person syndrome. It's a, a muscular, like a neurological condition. And oh. it only affects like one in a million people. Like it's a very small percentage of being able to get it. Wow. But when you get it, um, someone explained it as having like a Charlie horse, but in your entire body. So your whole body, all of your muscles just oh. seize up. And you can't move and it's extremely painful. And so it's affected her ability to be able to sing because her muscles will tense up. And when you sing, your body uses muscles to be able to do it. So it's not so much a vocal issue, but it's more of a muscular issue that affects her ability to be able to sing. 
that's what Brittany was saying, <laughs> as if I know Brittany. Um, that's what she was saying, and that that must yeah. be really terrible. Yeah, from what I understand, it's extremely painful, yeah. and there's no cure for it. So it's caused Celine to have to stop touring. She mm. had to cancel her well, tour. Well, she's really old. Listen, you she's, she's <laughs> do not insult my queen. <laughs> she's had a really good run. She's been around for decades. That's fair. And I acknowledge that. However, she wasn't done. I feel like she had more in her. She wasn't done. No. Okay. And this is, this is a, pre, it's caused her to prematurely have to stop, at least for now. I don't know if she'll be able to come back from this, but for now, it's put her career on hold. And it's sad, you know, because she still has a huge fan base. And yeah. that was proven by her appearance at the Grammys when she came on stage. The whole place went crazy for her, you know? She still She's has a huge icon. fan base. She is. Celine Dion is like one of those people who has um, almost like sainthood where they're the most known person. It's like her, Oprah Winfrey, Queen Elizabeth II, and... She's dead. I know. And um, Whitney Houston, those are just... And then Celine Dion, those are just names that are absolute legends like global global yes superstars. global names that and taylor yeah. swift you know it anywhere right tom cruise is another one everybody Ugh. knows tom cruise well you may not like tom cruise but you have to acknowledge that as far as movie stars are concerned he is He's one of the last well remaining known. like it's him and matt damon yeah matt damon i mean matt damon's popular yes well i didn't my train of thought was when you think of those Mission Impossible Impossible movies or those like action adventure movies, like Matt series. Damon, Tom Cruise, and Brad Pitt, like from mm -hmm. the 90s and 2000s are just immediately in that group. Oh, yeah, for sure. Well, listen, I love Celine. I, there's a big uproar on Twitter because Taylor Swift ignored Celine Dion. I saw a picture of them hugging, though. Yes, I saw that as well. I don't think Taylor meant to slight Celine Dion. I really don't. No. I think she was it's caught up in on. the moment. I think she was excited. Yeah. And I think it was a, just an honest oversight. But there's photos of her meeting Celine multiple times at multiple award shows, and they've always been friendly with each other. Yeah. So I don't see... I don't see this. And Celine is super gracious. You know, she's a very down to earth person. I don't think she would have taken it personally at all. But, no. you know, Twitter likes to cancel everybody. The media can turn anything, movement, glance, look, slightest facial expression into absolute war. Can you imagine what it's like to be a famous person on that level of fame? Because there's different levels of fame. But can you imagine being scrutinized for everything you do? Every move you make, everything you wear, every that people read their lips to try to figure out what they're saying. I mean, that kind of scrutiny has got to be just exhausting. And to be like followed everywhere and not being able to do things, I don't want to say like ordinary people, because we're all 
people, but can't even go grocery shopping or to the beach or to like a theme park without having, especially if you're someone like Taylor Swift and, you know, just those big names, Justin Bieber, like you can't do things like take your family to a Disney resort without probably shutting it down just so that you can have some peace. Well, I do know that Disney, they have, when they bring celebrities in, they'll give them like a handler, like a Disney handler who their only job is to take them around the park and get them onto rides. And a lot of times they're real subtle. You know, Um, I saw a TikTok of someone who used to work at Disney and she met Scarlett Johansson, but didn't even realize it was her until like halfway through the conversation. And then she's like, shit. (laughs) But there's also a factor like you don't expect to see these people in real life and they don't look necessarily like they do when they're all made up for the cameras. Usually they have some sort of like a disguise or they're wearing a hat or sunglasses or something. So you may not realize right away that you're talking to someone of that caliber fame. But fame has always been something that has intrigued me, like from a psychological standpoint. Yeah. It's just really interesting, especially for people who desire fame. Because I was one of those people when I was younger. I just wanted to be famous so bad. And I felt like it would... I don't know, it would like fix my problems in some way if I was rich and famous. And I don't know if you've read this, but have you read Matthew Perry's book that he wrote? No, but I want to. It's fantastic. It is a really fantastic read. And in it, he talked about wanting to be famous, that if he could just get Mm. famous, it would fix all of his problems. And then he got the fame. He got like massively famous But it didn't fix his problems. It didn't give him what he had been searching for. It didn't give him like a purpose. Right. And it still, he still struggled with his demons and with his addiction. And, um, you know, that's just, it's a sad story, but it's a, a testament that fame isn't what it's all cut out to be. I think people think that once you get famous, you're going to get everything you've ever wanted, but it comes with a sacrifice. I think that brings back the old question of can money buy happiness like do you are you happy if you have money i think the world really sexualizes and also idolizes just money and we think it can buy happiness and joy and love and freedom but having money does not make you happy and it doesn't erase your problems. This is such an interesting topic for me and it's one that I am really fascinated by just in my own personal life too because I have always felt like if I just had more money. Yeah. It would fix my problems. I think that too. Even after all I just said, I still think it. And I think there's a lot of people who feel that way. But there's a lot of psychology behind that thought. We are trained by we, I mean society. And this isn't across the board. Some people are not raised this way. But I think the bulk of people are raised to believe that money is the root of all evil. Yeah. Money doesn't grow on trees. There's a limit to how much money there is. There's a, a ceiling of how much you can earn. Your paycheck is the same. Every, every paycheck is the same amount every, you know, every week. And it's like we're taught from a very early age to believe that money is limited. 
and it's a resource that is in limited supply. And so we must take as much as we can and hold on to it. Save your money. But what I've learned is that money is nothing more than a form of appreciation. Yeah. It's a symbol of appreciation. So when you pay for a service or you pay for a product, you are exchanging money as a form of appreciation for that product or service. And if you can, if you can learn to associate spending money with gratitude, then part of this, the cycle is as you spend money, if, as you send it out, it will then come back to you. The catch is that if you want more abundance, you must give more, you must spend more, which is contrary to what we've always been taught. We've always been taught we need to save our money, save your money, right? Yeah. But ultimately, I think money is really just an illusion. Now, to your point, does money buy happiness? I, th- I agree with you that money buys convenience. Yeah. But I don't think money in and of itself can generate happiness. I think you've got to find that from within. Yeah. Through self-love. And this is something that I'm working on right now. And I wanted to talk about this. I'm glad we're talking about it. I started seeing a life coach in addition to my therapy and all of the other things I've got going on in my life. But I started seeing a life coach who is, she, she's like a spiritual advisor slash life coach. and. I had my first one-on-one with her this week and it was profound, like <laughs> profound. One of the things, cause she asked me why, you know, why do you want to meet with a life coach? What are you trying to get out of this? And so I kind of laid everything out there. You know, I talked about the trauma stuff that I'm working on and I talked about uh, the spiritual work that I've been doing and ultimately it all, and also relationships, you know, my struggle, cause I'm, I'm in like a situationship. We're not really a relationship. We've had multiple conversations about what we are, you know, trying to label what we are. And it always comes back to he's not ready to commit to a relationship. And yet we act like we're in a relationship, but we're not. But we act like we are. But we so we're in like this weird. And this is mind you, this has been like an ongoing two year situation ship. And I've gotten to a point where like. I'm frustrated with it. Yeah. Because I, I want I want more. I want I want it to be going somewhere and I just feel like it's not. And so my instinct is always to run away, you know, and push push people away. And so I've done that a couple of times and then, you know, we start talking again and then he'll come on strong and be like, you know, saying all the things that I want to hear. And then when I start to come back, then he's he backs off. Yeah. So we're we're doing this dance with each other that's just frustrating, like frustrating. And I keep getting hurt over and over by it, you know, and I've hurt him. I have hurt him in the process of this too by pushing him away. And y'all just keep on getting hurt. Yes, it's like a, a it's like a tango of chaos. A tangle. <laughs> really? Oh, tango. A tango, like a dance. Yeah. Yeah. A tango of terror. Anyway, not I mean, of terror. <laughs> yes. But it's just it, you know, it's it's one of those areas of my life that I'm not happy. Ultimately, it all boils down to this. I'm not happy with where I'm at in my life. And I want to work toward my goals. My life coach basically 
brought it back to it starts with self-love. She made a really great analogy of a tree. Mm. I'm a tree. My branches... That's why you were painting that tree. Well, no, ironically, I did that before this even happened. Oh, I've always had a thing for trees. Like I've been drawn to trees. I draw a lot of trees and then she used that analogy. And so it just, it just happened like coincidentally, but it's very in line with what I've already found an interest in. Right. I've always been fascinated with like the tree of life and that whole concept. So she used an analogy of a tree and she said that the ornaments on the tree are those materialistic things that we crave, that we want, whether it be a new job or a nice house or a relationship or whatever, whatever it is. The ornaments are those things that we want on a human level, right? The reason why the ornaments aren't sticking is because my branches are too bare, is what she said. Your branches have nothing for the ornaments to stick to because Mm. I'm trying to... I'm trying to get fulfillment through those things, through those ornaments, but that's not where the fulfillment really comes from. The fulfillment comes from source, self-love, that love from God or creator or spirit or whatever you want to call that, then comes through me, right? And then I can spread that out to others. And when I spread that out to others, then it comes back to me. Just like the concept we were just talking about with money. If you want to earn, if you want more money, you got to spend more. Same with love. If I want self-love, I have to love others. And so she asked me, how do you express love in the world today? Like right now? And I was like, well, um, I volunteer. Look at the church that I go to. I'm always there for my friends. You know, if they need someone to talk to or if they're going through something, like I always try to be there for my friends, be of service. And she brought up the podcast She said that is a form of love by being vulnerable and by sharing your experience and your struggles and your successes. That is sending love out into the world. And through that, it will then come back. So she said, my job is to continue to do those things that send love out into the world. She said, it will come back to you. But don't set any expectation on what the outcome will be. Mm, Just do it and put it out there. And then look for opportunities for it to come back to you. But without expectations. So like when I'm doing the podcast, I've been so fixated on, you know, building this huge audience and, you know, trying to do all these things to grow our channel. I have to let that go. Like that's beyond my control. My job is to just make the content, have the conversations, share my experience, talk about the real underlying issues that we're working through and then put it out and see where it goes. Yeah. I think that's why we started this podcast too, is like, we really just wanted to have conversations and see who agreed or disagreed and just seeing like my, my whole your hole? My. <laughs> what, what about your hole? <laughs> I'm sorry. That's not appropriate. Steph. My- <laughs> <laughs> are, you, My- are you sharing your hole with everyone? <laughs> Is that your way of spreading love into the world? <laughs> My donut hole. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> anyway, mm. go on. Tell us more. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
Uh, <laughs> so, as I was saying, um, <laughs> my desire with the podcast from the beginning has just been to like reach other people and for us to just have conversations because how it started was we would talk on the phone all the time and we would just like talk for hours and we would be like we should really have a podcast with all of this like content we just keep spewing we get really deep and we but we also have really funny like stuff to talk about too and we wanted to share that with the world and i think that's 100 percent correct what your life coach was saying is that like it's giving to the world we're not keeping our conversations to ourselves like we will keep some things to ourselves because we're not going to completely bear all to the audience but we're sharing ourselves and like our conversations with the world and i think that's a really cool way to give i do too and it does come back because in doing that i have found that when i am vulnerable and when i share the things that i'm scared to tell people you know those things that are wrapped in in shame. Yeah. I find that when I do open up and get vulnerable about that stuff, I find that I'm not the only one who has experienced it, feels that way about it, and I can find solutions from others who have gone through the same thing. Mm-hmm. So it, there's benefits to opening up and being vulnerable and sharing about that kind of stuff because it helps others and it helps me in return. Yeah, I remember like whenever I would tell you things about just about like vulnerable things or like shame things I felt ashamed of that I would I would share with you and talk with you about. You would kind of lightly encourage me to share my story or talk about it with other people because you never know who else may be struggling and I find A lot of times when I do open up and I put myself out there, there's always like that one person who relates to to me and who doesn't feel so alone. And then that makes me feel good. It makes me feel like I did something right when I share a part of myself and someone else feels doesn't feel alone. They don't feel like they're terminally unique anymore. Right. Well, going back to the other things that this uh, life coach had talked about, she, going along with that analogy of the tree, she was talking about how that self-love, she used the analogy of sap, like tree sap. Yeah. And how the sap will sometimes leak out by holes that have been caused by trauma or things that have been programmed into us from when we were young or negative self-talk or negative messages that we have come to believe as a result of trauma or things that we've been told. So she brought up the situation with my parents, like mm. with my dad. And, and um, just to kind of give you an update on that, for those of you who did not listen to my last, our last episode, um, I shared what's been happening with my dad in that a few months ago, he attempted to end his life. and. So there's been a lot of trauma and a lot of things that have been stirred up from that. And since we recorded that episode, my mom has made the decision to let him move back home. Oh, and I am struggling with that. Wow. I've been struggling with it. Yeah. 
So I talked about this with my life coach and she was like, it is none of your business. (laughs) She was like, I know this is going to sound very blunt, but it is none of your business. She was like, you're putting all this pressure on yourself, trying to make decisions for them or give them advice or, you know, try to exert some control over the situation. And she's like, you have no control over their decisions. This issue is something that they have to work through. It is not your job. It is none of your (laughs) business. So I was like, dang, okay. (laughs) But in a way that kind of relieves some of the pressure that I've been putting on myself around that situation. To just like let it go. Right. Because she said, you know, we're all spiritual beings having a human experience and they are on their spiritual journey. And so... All of this is really, it pertains to them and their soul and what their decisions are going to be. And it really has nothing to do with my journey. I'm here. I'm working on what I'm working on. She used an analogy of a hula hoop. I got to stay in my hula hoop. I only can control what's in my hula hoop. I have no control over anything else. So that was a really, really interesting conversation to have. That really reminds me of who am I to deny someone to of their bottom or of their lowest point. And it sounds harsh at first coming like straight off the bat, but like who am I to be in control of when someone is ready to do things when they are ready or when they have to figure things out, when they have to experience things? Because I know for me, I wasn't going to be ready to change or do anything differently in my recovery for my eating disorder until I was ready. Like my doctors and my parents, my, um, my mom, my, my friends, no one was going to convince me to get healthy and to not be on the brink of death anymore until Stephanie was ready. No one else could have told me otherwise. Well, I, it's funny you say that because I, That's really where I feel like I'm at now in my own recovery journey, because, you know, we talked about this last episode as well. I have continued to act out in the food and I've had periods of success where I've gone a few weeks and done well and not acted out in the food behaviors. But on the whole, (laughs) I have, I've been acting out a lot with the food, especially since everything happened with my dad and that's not to put blame on anyone else you know that's that's me and my way of coping with uncomfortable feelings i turn to the food in an effort to not have to feel anything yeah but i'm at a point now where the pain is becoming great enough and the uncomfortability of being in this body in this current physical body is becoming uncomfortable enough that i really I'm, I want to make some changes, which is why I've started therapy and started seeing a life coach, you know, because I do want to make some changes in my life. And one of the things that this life coach suggested, and remember, she's a spiritual advisor too. So she's very much talking about God and, you know, how I can connect. And she was like, I don't care if you call it God or if it's a he or a she or a they or if they're a Jewish or whatever faith, it, it, it just God, yeah. you know, it's that that universal energy but she said start off your day even when you're in bed before you even get out of bed start off your day and imagine the day to come mm. 
And then she said, ask God for opportunities for you to, to share love, to send love out in the world. Or if you're trying to get abundance in your life, ask God. You've got to ask for whatever it is that you want. So ask God for opportunities for abundance. Ask God for a relationship or healthy relationships or whatever it is that you're seeking. You have to ask for it. And then allow yourself to act as though. She said you have to, it takes movement. It takes action. You can't just ask for it and then do nothing. You have to go and, and put yourself out there and yeah. then look for those opportunities because they will come. It's the law of attraction. Oh, yeah. Right. But there's also with with the law of attraction, there's also the law of sacrifice. Mm -hmm. So if I want a healthy body, then I have the law of sacrifice says that I need to give up ice cream. Mm. Yeah. So if you if there's something that you're wanting the concept is to imagine it as though you already have it, but then start taking action toward whatever that goal is. So for me, um, at, at the spiritual center that I go to every January 1st, we do what's called a white stone ceremony. And we have to write a word on a stone that represents what it is that we're trying to, to achieve for the year or focus on for the year. And so my word for this year is movement. Mm. I want movement in my life. And I'm not just talking physical movement, but I want my actions to be moving in a direction of my, one of my goals. Yeah. And bowel movements. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So I'm all about the movements. Yeah, no, we love a good bowel movement. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Can I tell you, uh, uh, speaking of bowel movements, I have a funny story for you. Oh, okay. <laughs> I have, I have this story and I haven't shared this on the podcast. I shared one bowel movement story the time that I blew up the beach. Um, <laughs> it blew up. I did. It was bad. It was really bad. So I have a story for you about a time, a dreadful time in my life. Where I destroyed a Costco bathroom. <laughs> and I'm going to share this story with you because it's just, it, that reminded me of this and I'm, I, I'm just going with it. So Fuck this yes. happened probably, oh man, I don't know, at least 10 years ago now. It's been a minute and I'm still haunted by it. <laughs> <laughs> so a thousand years ago, I had a girlfriend. I was very securely in the closet. I was in like high school, I think. And I had a girlfriend and we had gone to this Mexican restaurant and we, sh we shared a meal because we were trying to get healthy and lose weight, right? <laughs> I spent my whole life trying to lose weight. Anyway, so we, <laughs> so we split a meal and we both got food poisoning. And I knew that it came from that place because we shared a meal. And I, when I tell you that we got food poisoning, I'm talking from both ends. It became the fountain of Josh. <laughs> both ends. So... Naturally, I did not go back to that restaurant. I was like, I'm never eating there again. This place has scarred me for life. So fast forward, like, I mean, it had to have been probably seven or eight years later. I had a roommate who really wanted to go to this same restaurant. And I was like, nope, absolutely not. I'm not going there. The last time I went, I got horrible food poisoning. I will never subject myself or anyone else to that trauma again. <laughs> and she was like, well, how long ago was it? And I was like, 
I mean, it's been a while. She's like, well, give it another chance. It had to have been a one-off situation. Just give it another try. Let's go. So I'm like, all right, we'll go. So we go to the restaurant. We sit down and eat. And after we got done eating, she wanted to go to Costco. Now, let me explain. This restaurant is just a short, I mean, quarter mile, maybe a half a mile away from the restaurant. It's not far. And so we get in the car after leaving the restaurant and we drive to the Costco. In the time from leaving the restaurant to the time we get to the Costco parking lot, I've got the bubble guts going on. There's a storm brewing deep within me. (laughs) And I immediately, I know that it's not going to be good. So I need to find a restroom and I needed it quickly, quickly. So I get out of the car. I'm walking into the Costco. Now, if you've never been to a Costco, Costco's are these huge warehouse type buildings. I mean, they're massive. And the bathroom is always in the far back corner. Oh, no. And so I walk into the Costco and the pressure is building. (laughs) I don't want to be obvious that I'm about to die. So I pretend as I'm walking in, I stop at the end of the row, like where the aisle cap is, and I pretend to shop. I'm just browsing (laughs) window shopping while clenching every muscle that I have, (laughs) praying to God that I don't shit my pants, right? (laughs) Until the pressure subsides, right? So the pressure subsided and then I would walk a little further and then the pressure would come back <laughs> and I'd have to stop and, and pretend, oh, hmm. <laughs> these are some nice batteries. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And so I did that. As, it was a series of, you know, stop and pretend to shop, contemplate. Mm, should I buy this? Yeah. Yeah. So I finally make it back to the bathroom. And the first thing I notice when I get back there is that there's a cart like a cleaning cart that's in front of the women's restroom. And I'm just like, well, thank God it's not blocking the men's bathroom. So I go in there. I go to the very last stall. I always, I'm the last stall pooper. I always go to the very last oh, stall. Yeah. So I go to the last stall. I go to sit down and take down my pants whilst turning, right? Like rotating to sit. Have you ever seen one of those sprinklers? <laughs> that's like. <laughs> <laughs> I did that. That <laughs> happened from my asshole. All over the wall, all over the toilet. I'm talking like I painted a Picasso in that Costco bathroom. <laughs> somehow, I don't know how, but somehow I did not get any on my clothes. I don't know how. It was truly a miracle. So obviously I felt better at that point, right? So I go to start to clean up the disaster that I just created. (laughs) And I discover that there is no toilet paper. And not only is there no toilet paper in my stall, but there is no toilet paper in any of the stalls. (laughs) And there is only just enough paper towel for me to clean myself. So I don't know what that person did to deserve that karma. But whoever ended up having to clean that, they, (laughs) I feel badly for them. It was bad. It was horrible. I never get tired of hearing that story. Each time is like the first. It it was awful. I still, I'm scarred. I will, 
every time I drive by a Costco, I think of that experience. <laughs> I do every time. I, I get like the the sweats. The sweats. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when you first told me that and you said first the bubble guts and then the shit contractions and like stop it. Like I do that when I'm like passing gas as well. I will like stop and like try to like clench my butt cheeks really hard. But it's hard though because like sometimes you clench really hard so it doesn't escape. But if you clench too hard, it still escapes and it makes yeah. a sound. But my thing is whenever I like fart in public, I mm -hmm. have, I mostly, for the most part, I have silent farts, but they are rancid. They are disgusting. <laughs> They I are. can't trust farting in public oh. because they're always loud. I don't mean for them to be, but <laughs> they're loud. The only way that I can fart silently is if I spread my cheeks apart. And then it's like. It's <laughs> 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 like a warm breeze. You know? <laughs> in the rainforest. Oh my god yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm, it's very humid in here <laughs> a little earthy smell. <laughs> earthy <laughs> yeah earthy looks <laughs> like a earthy summer breeze <laughs> okay so can i tell you another um this is something that I noticed the last time I was editing one of our episodes. Oh. Have you ever heard of uh, filler words like yes. um or uh or like or... Or you know. For me, it's you know. I say you know all the time. I want to share something with you. <laughs> I, I made something for you. Just watch this and tell me what you think. Okay. Um, 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 and so, um, and, uh, um, and, um, yeah. um, you know, um, yeah. you know, and, um, um, uh, you know, you know, you know, um, um, uh, you know, you know, yeah, like, like, um, like, 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 and be like, and it's like, you know, and so, like, or like, you know, um, you know, like, like, um, just like, like, um, um, like, um, and, um, like, um, and I'm like, oh, shit. Oh. Oh my god! I said it this many times. Oh shit! <laughs> that wasn't even that wasn't even the full episode. That was like maybe half of the episode. <laughs> You'll have to send me that. And none of those were repeats. Those were all authentic. Those were <laughs> so I looked up an article to to train, like to learn how to train yourself not to use filler words like that. Yeah. And one of the tips that they suggested is to bring attention to it every time someone says the filler word, because you don't always know that you're doing it consciously. Yeah. So I have an idea that what we can do every time that we record, if we say one of the filler words, we play a sound effect. And this is the sound effect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah what do you think oh yeah i love that it's gonna be effective mm -hmm. at least it's not like um a mean and like very loud like buzzer sound <laughs> yeah true well i didn't want to like 
<laughs> offend anyone. <laughs> I bet you're going to enjoy watching that back <laughs> when you're editing. Uh, yeah, I can't wait. It'll be fun. Oh, Lord. Yeah. <laughs> it's just funny to me how many, like, how many times you say that without even realizing it, you know? <laughs> Funny how I don't have the option to press the button. I'll just make my own sound effects. Like, <laughs> okay, fair. That's good. Cause I may not notice. I may not notice whenever I do it. Boing. So yeah, I got you. <laughs> Is that going to be your sound effect? Do it again. Boing. <laughs> yes. One more time. <laughs> I kind of moan I at cannot. you. Cannot. Yeah, you do. Boy. <laughs> <laughs> I worked at a call center one time and when I worked there, we were bought out by another larger company and that company, they did all of their customer service overseas. And so they had this representative who, for whatever reason, whenever they would answer the phone, they would like moan. <laughs> so they'd be like, thank you for calling. How can I help you? <laughs> and they weren't trying to do it. It was like it was a vocal voice. tick or something that they oh were my doing. God. They were like, how can I help you? <laughs> they had to coach this representative multiple times for it because it was it was making people uncomfortable. <laughs> I don't know why. I know. I worked with a woman. She had to have been probably in her like late 60s. And she had this phone voice that was very like, thank you for calling. Sultry. How can I help you? Like, yeah. Hey. Hey, how can I help you? Thank you for calling McDonald's customer support. How may I assist you today? How can I service you today? How may I service you? Yeah. The funny part was that she had several male customers that would call up and just want to speak with her. She takes <laughs> real bet. good care of me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure she does. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Epic. I love that for her. No, oh, she's making bang. Big buck. A bang or bank? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Both. <laughs> well, I'm sure she's also making bang. <laughs> oh my <laughs> I cannot I strike it's again terrible. That's good So what else is new with you? I feel like we've talked about me the whole time I do have an update um, I've been trying uh, To look into Master's programs um, For Noted. I've been looking into master's programs for um. Oh. oh. 
<laughs> You're such a dick. <laughs> For what? <laughs> For my master's program. And it's for um masters and <laughs> did I say um what? <laughs> for my masters <sighs> in social work. But there's only in person coming up, so the deadline is actually in October. So I am looking at online only programs and I was looking at only the the one in my university that I'm at right now because I'm over at USF in Florida and um oh fuck and <laughs> <laughs> I was doing so good you were you were on a roll <laughs> I was doing uh oh <laughs> <laughs> You just wanted okay, me really to quick. talk so we can do this. What? <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> what is your, first of all, what is your degree in? It's women's gender and sexuality studies. So it's women's studies. <laughs> what do you want to do? Like, what's the long-term goal for what your career? What I really want to do is become a queer sex therapist. Okay. And that came about because I listened to a podcast and it was a marriage and family counseling therapist but she had a sex therapist come on her podcast and they were talking and everything that I was hearing this sex therapist talk about which I follow her on Instagram her name is Dr. Lauren Fogel um and oh <laughs> I really don't realize how much I say it I know that's the whole concept behind this Jesus. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were bleeping me for saying Jesus. No, because I said you know, you know? Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> You're getting God. way too much enjoyment out of this. It's so much fun. I'm <laughs> loving it. <laughs> anyway, Dr. Fogel. Yeah, so she came out with a book called Libido. I don't know the full name, but I know when she was on the podcast, she was talking about her research being about libido. And she's a sex therapist. And basically, I always thought a sex therapist was kind of... And this this was my uneducated and naive thinking back then. But my brain from society and from my peers kind of told me that sex therapy was for people who wanted to have better sex, which it can be. That's one of the things that sex therapists help people with is giving them sex education on their bodies. But it's also it's also in the branch of marriage and family counseling, too, where you find where you are maybe colliding negatively or positively with your partner let me ask you does this also have to do with um people who like are transgender 
Yes. So that's why I wanted to do queer sex therapy so that I can tie in LGBTQ plus because that's been my goal from the very beginning of like my college career has been wanting to do something with the queer community and making a safe space for them through psychology, whatever that may be. But I also really enjoy talking about gender and sex, sexuality, and that's all under the branch of women's studies. And I've learned so many things, important things about victim advocacy and definitions and inclusion. Well, that's really cool. I I think I am curious, though, because living in Florida with Ron DeSantis, how much that's going to impact that field. I mean, he's he's already taken steps that are affecting even universities, from my understanding, in that line of education. That's been a big fear with women and gender studies departments in Florida. And it's been something that the the professors in my department in college have been talking about for the past like two years is the don't say gay bill and how they want to get rid of critical race theory. And they want to stop talking, they even want to stop talking about menstruation and like period like education and health for girls and people with who get periods in elementary schools they want to shield kids from that and i i would go far crazy because even from a physical standpoint women are getting their periods younger and younger and Mm -hmm. that's not just women People in general are going through puberty. Children are going through puberty yeah, earlier it's puberty. and earlier. It's yeah. puberty. And they, they don't really talk about what boys go through with, with puberty, I feel like. Because I I never hear, well, maybe that's just a me thing because I, I don't really associate with boys. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I don't really see a lot about puberty except for, well, that's not true. Now that I'm thinking about it, whenever boys go through puberty... Um, they get a slap on the back and say, all right, son, time to go and like get some girls and have sex. Here's a condom, have s- safe sex or whatever. Don't get a girl pregnant. Um, and with girls. I don't think that's always the case because I never my parents never did universal. a sex talk with me like that. I think they were uncomfortable about it. And so we, I never had a sex talk. It's more about when boys hit puberty. It's like it's kind of hands off. And it, I think it's hands off with girls too but it's more about protecting their purity or they're like Mm. pretty much giving them a chastity belt where once you get your period you can't have sex but i think it's really bad because when i was like 11 or 12 years old that's when i got my period and i was in fourth grade i think it was either fourth or fifth grade and I know girls are getting their periods at like nine or 10. Like it's, it's getting younger and younger. And a lot of times if, I mean, it depends on what kind of education system you have or what kind of school you have. But a lot of times you learn a majority of sex education and physical hygiene education about genitalia 
through school and even not like even the the tiny bit of education you get from school, from your health class or your gym. I always got it from my gym class. We didn't even have a health class through our gym class. It's so sometimes it's so minuscule that it's like the bare minimum because you don't get that from your family because and that's something that I want to dig deeper into in my career is normalize talking about sex. Like I'm a very open person and I love to talk about things that people don't really like talking about. And I want to normalize those conversations, normalize like masturbation and orgasms and feeling good. Also normalize talking about vagina and penis, like health and, and taking care of it. Cause that's, it's not like inappropriate or sexual. It's trying to take care of your body. Yeah. And you're right. So many people are either ashamed to talk about it or uncomfortable because it's, you know, it's an uncomfortable topic. And so they just avoid it. And it's interesting when I was in school, they did have a health class. And so we did learn some things about it, but even then I don't think it was, it was more of an abstinence approach to sex. It wasn't teaching about how to appropriately have sex or to explore. And so I think what happens is when you don't have those conversations, kids explore, they experiment and they experiment with the people who are closest to them. Right. Which a lot of times is either siblings or cousins Mm. And then that brings up a whole level of shame around sex because it's taboo, you know, and nobody talks about it. But what I have found is that it's very common and not just in humans. If you look at studies for all species, it's common for kids to explore their bodies and they do that with whoever's close to them, siblings, Mm -hmm. friends. But it's interesting that when it's a boy and a girl sitting in a tree, K-I-S-S-I-N-G, it's like, you don't do that. But if two girls get caught or two boys get caught, there's a stigma around that because Mm -hmm. it's homosexuality. And we got to stop that. We got to stop that from happening. And so oftentimes the message isn't a, it's not a teaching moment to the child that there's appropriate boundaries and what to do and what not to do with other people. Instead, it turns into you're bad, you're reprimanding, going to hell, you're, you know, whatever that, right. And so it scars a lot of people. I just wish that there was a more open conversation because it is natural for people to explore. And I wish it was more open even for, you know, young adults who get into exploring their bodies and exploring sex. I wish it was more open for two guys to experiment with each other. Yeah. Without being labeled as gay, you know, how are you, how are you supposed to know what you are if you never experiment? Right. But there's such a stigma around experimenting. And you don't want to be labeled as gay by all your straight friends just because you tried something. So right. that's a whole different topic. It's I would love to dive brand. into this. Yeah. I think we should dive into this on another episode yeah. more in depth because it's fascinating to me and there's, there's a lot to it. Yeah, I have a but lot to say about that. We are out of time for today. It has been a pleasure as always. As always. As always.
Thank you so much yes. for listening. And uh, be sure to subscribe to our Patreon if you want to hear uncensored episodes. Check us out on, we have social media sites. We've got Twitter, we have Instagram, and we have a Facebook page. So be sure to follow us there. We also have a TikTok. The links for all of those social media sites are in the description below. Please give us a like and a subscribe. We would greatly appreciate that. And thank you again for listening wherever you're at. I hope that you have a wonderful day. Be kind to one another. And we will see you next time. If you liked this episode and want to hear more, please visit unhingedunicorns.com. You can also support this podcast and access member-only content by visiting patreon.com forward slash unhingedunicorns. Unhinged Unicorns.